Good morning. How are y'all doing? We are uh, continuing on in a sermon series about being made for more. And uh, we've looked at a number of different ways in which God reveals that to us as a church and as a people that you and I are created in the image of God. That's how we were created. That's what we're designed to reflect in the world that we're a part of. And that we uh, become aware of what we're made for through our worship, through the ways that we serve other people uh, in our following of Jesus Christ. All of these reveal what we're made for, what we're meant for. I, uh, however, you know, from time to time, there's a, a piece of this that uh, we really struggle with. And today we're talking about how do we, like Julie pointed out, how do we reflect God's world, love in the world? Because as a church, we have that great slogan that our goal is to know God and to make God known. And uh, however, usually what I've found with United Methodist churches in particular, making God known, kind of a struggle for people. I've joked and kidded with churches that I've served, said, you know, the average Methodist invites one person to church every 40 years, right? And that, that's, you know, the average. Sometimes they do a little bit better, but on average, it's about one person every 40 years. And so when we talk about how are we making God known in the world, uh, obviously it's not always about personal invitation for us. We try and find other ways around the problem. And um, many times people don't really think of that as something that God would want them to do. Have you thought about that in your own life, about how would God use you to make his presence, make his love known in the world? Probably not. Good deal. Uh, so we'll talk about that today. And um, before we get into that, though, just want to chase a quick rabbit trail. We, we're trying a new thing as a church. We've got in the back, we've got these wonderful cards that say pumpkin patch. And on the other side, it has information for you to fill out your name, your, your phone number. And if you'll do that today, it's right there in the back. Not only do we have one for the pumpkin patch, but we've got one for the fall festival. And uh, if you'll do that, then we'll follow up with you and talk with you about how you can help out with one of those. And uh, looking around today, I can see clearly that you're all ready to go and help unload pumpkins this afternoon, right after about noon today. Looks like you're all dressed and ready for that. I thought it was just a perfect thing that God did for us to make it to where both the Texans and the Cowboys don't play until 7 tonight. So your schedules are all free. And even if you're a Saints fan, they don't play till tomorrow night. So that, that excuse is gone. And then on top of that, you're thinking, yeah, but do we really have anything that's going to make this job super easy? Yes, we do. We have somebody that's bringing a tractor. So it's going to go really quick if you all come help with that. So we're talking about making God known in the world that we're a part of. And we're going to talk a little bit about Moses in a minute. But I just wanted to share with you when I, I think about that particular aspect of our faith and, and who we are, that we're called to be witnesses, that we're supposed to give testimony about who God is to people in the world that we're a part of, that it's always a little surprising to me that I, I look back and that I've been in ministry for over 20 years. Because before I got into ministry, I was very shy, very quiet, and um, that when I told people that my major in college was communications, they kind of laughed. Because they're like, what? What does he think he's doing? He doesn't like to talk. Why in the world would he go that route in terms of being a, a person that's going to be making a living, speaking in front of people each and every week? Why would he do that? 
And I think back, and it's like, and 20 years later, still going strong, still doing great, still enjoying what God has called me to do. But it's always remarkable to me because if you go back, that first 20 years, the first time that I started preaching, I remember my first sermon in front of my little country church. I had my manuscript, and I was basically like, Jesus loves you. You know, it didn't go that well. And uh, it was off to a rough start, and yet I knew this is what God wanted me to do. I knew that he was calling me into something greater. And uh, ever since then, I thought to myself, you know, there's more people like me than I probably realize. Folks that look at their gifts, their abilities, and where they're at right now, and they say to themselves, why would God ever use me for anything, you know? Or they look at the current situation in terms of ministry, and they say, well, they've got a pastor, they've got somebody that sings, I think they got everything covered, I'm good, you know, I don't have to get involved. And yet, time and time again, I've just been amazed by the reality that God takes people that um, are pretty settled into their life, that think that the only thing between them and a whole lot of golf and some leisurely retirement is about 30 years of work, and picks them up and says, you know, I think I have something greater in mind for you. And to watch the way in which God takes them and moves them and creates them to be people who are, in fact, going out into the world to make God known. It's always such an amazing thing to see happen. So let's look at um, the Bible real quick, and we'll look at chapter 4. And to give you some background on it, uh, all of chapter 3 is Moses telling God uh, what so many people tell God each and every day. Moses tells God, you've got the wrong person, right? He talks to Moses, uh, talks to God, and he says, you know, you, you need to find somebody else, pick somebody that's more qualified, find somebody that's got a doctorate in logistics because we're going to have to move a whole lot of people from here to there, and that's what you need. Find a great leader, find a, an expert, find somebody else. And um, God says, no, I'm going to use you. And then Moses gives more excuses like you and I use. God, he speaks to God and he says, you know what I've done. Do you know the mistakes that I've made? Do you know my struggles? Do you know my hurts? Do you know what's happened to me? And God still says, no, you're the one. You're the one that's going to make all this happen. And um, then we get to chapter 4, and you think by now that God might be thinking to himself, maybe I do have the wrong person. I am so sick of arguing with Moses, and yet God doesn't give up on him. God speaks to him, and Moses replies, but, but what if, but what if they don't believe me or pay attention to me? They might say to me, the Lord didn't appear to you. You know, does that, that ever ring a bell in your life? You know, God speaks to you, or you see a clear need in the world, and you say, who am I? Why would you want me to do this? And then there's the whole part about, what if they don't believe me or pay attention? You know, it just kind of reminds me of the Prince's Bride with the, they're all going to laugh at me. What do we do now? It says, the Lord didn't appear to you. And the Lord says to him, what's in your hand? You know, God invites Moses to simply say, well, what do you have? What, what are your, your skills, your abilities, your talents? Moses takes it, literally looks at his hand, and he says, I have a shepherd's rod. I have a staff. And God says, that'll work. Now, it wasn't until this past week that I really thought about this and, and recognized, you know, there's got to be a piece of Moses where he's thinking to himself, Lord, there's a thousand shepherds around me within a couple miles distance, and each and every one of them has a shepherd's staff. 
right? I mean, can't you imagine that's what we would do? We'd be thinking, if you need somebody that has that particular gift, that particular skill, you've got a lot of people to choose from. Gracious God, there are seven billion people in this world. I am nothing special, right? Can you just imagine Moses thinking that to himself? Like, you know, you and I do. We think to ourselves, oh, there's other people. There's somebody else that's got that gift or that skill. And um, God goes on. He says, throw it down on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out and grab the snake by the tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and turned it back into the rod in his hand. I mean, some of y'all are so afraid of snakes, that would have been it, right? You mean, I'll find somebody else, right? And yet Moses reaches down and grabs it, turns it back into his hand. Do this so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God has in fact appeared to you. All right, so what would you do at that point? I mean, if God spoke to you and said, I'm going to take what it is that you have, and then I'm going to, you know, do something extraordinary with it, and that's going to be the way that they believe you. I mean, do you think you would take the next step? Would you follow through on that from there? I mean, I always, for the longest time, I thought to myself, well, that's so great. I mean, I've got gifts, I've got skills, and if God can do something extraordinary with them, then so much the better. And yet, as I read through the story this past week, I realized that when Moses got in front of Pharaoh and he pulls out his shepherd's staff and he does the snake trick for him, Pharaoh kind of goes, I've seen that before, no big deal. You you read ahead, this is exactly what happens. And then there's people that are in Pharaoh's court that say, hey, we've got even better ones. You know, they make figure eight out of their snake or whatever. I don't know. But it's just, they're they're not even impressed at all with what happens. And yet, this is what God sets him up to do. He says, I really don't, doesn't really matter. Just, just go, Moses, go, go make it happen. And you know what? When I think about that, that's the, the story that, that happens over and over again in the Bible. Y'all know uh, today we celebrate communion, and I'm always reminded of the fact that there's a time where Jesus has been teaching people, and they're so amazed that they come, and they listen, and they invite their friends, and over 5,000 men show up, and that doesn't even include the, the women and children. And they get to the point in the, in the continuing education event where the disciples are like, all right, go let them eat lunch on their own, right? Go let them eat lunch on their own. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're all going to feed them. And they go, no, that would be really expensive. Do you know how much it costs to feed 5,000 people? And Jesus says, well, what do you got? And the little boy shows up, and he's got his Hebrew Lunchable right? A little bread, a little fish, and Jesus takes that, breaks it, blesses it, and there's, there's leftovers, you know? And that's the story that we, we find time and time again throughout the Bible, from Nehemiah to the disciples to Paul, you know, Paul looking at Jesus and saying, what have you got? Well, you know how to make tents. Go make a living doing that, and then use that time with other people that make tents to share the gospel, And so probably two of the most difficult questions that you and I can ever ask of God, probably two of the absolute hardest ones are the the ones that Moses is asked. He says, what do you have in your hand? And what do you think God wants to do with it? Moses is pretty clear. God wants him to go into Egypt and set these people free. But you and I, we, we have to ask that hard question I have to ask that question of, well, what is it that we do have? 
And how could God use that to make himself known in the world? I mean, it'd be worthwhile this week if you would just sit down with a piece of paper and write out everything that you have. I'm not talking about your possessions. I'm saying, what skills, what gifts, what abilities, what strengths do you have? What experiences do you have that would be helpful to somebody else? To just write those out. Just make a quick list. And then pray and ask God, what is it that you might want me to do with it? And obviously, this isn't the first time I've covered this particular text, but it's always astounding to me what happens. I I remember uh, one of the churches that I served, I had a lady who asked that simple question of, well, what is it that God has given me? What is it that's unique about me? What skill set has God given me that he might want to use? And she prayed about it, and, and God lifted up to her something that you and I would never have thought of. God spoke to her and said, you know, what you're really good at is making puppets, right? I mean, seriously, folks, if you were praying and God said puppets, what would you do, right? He was like, well, Jim Henson needs to call me. What do I do next, right? But she, she took that skill and she began to make them. And then what'd she do next? She, she'd use them to go into nursing homes and share the gospel with the puppet stories. And then she went to children's ministries and she did the same thing. And all along the way, she's like, uh, really nothing special, but I do have this one thing that I can do really well, which is make puppets and put on presentations, right? And it, it, it made such a huge difference. What do you have in your hands? And what does God want you to do with it? I uh, had a lady in my last church who, she said the only difference between her and other people was the fact that she could not ignore God. Because, uh, and it, it showed through her life because time and time again, God would use her to make himself known in the world. Uh, one of the things that she had in her hands was her ability to speak Spanish. And uh, she asked God, she said, well, uh, what is it that I might do with that? And God spoke to her and said, you know, what you could do is start an ESL class for the community because you live in an area where there's lots of people that don't speak English. And um, she would teach some basic skills that you and I probably wouldn't think about, like how to call the school and tell them that your kid has a doctor's appointment and they need to go leave class a little early that day. That you and I take for granted, but to them that was huge. And the little group grew from about 5 to 15, 20. It made such a huge difference. Why? Because she asked the question of, what is it that God has placed in my hands and what does God want me to do with it? And I could keep on telling you stories about time and time again about how God just speaks in those people's lives and makes them use those ordinary skills, things that they don't really think are that important, that they say to themselves, thousands of people have this gift, thousands of people can do these things, and yet if they just step forward, if they just are willing to trust in what God does next, amazing things happen. Right now, one of my favorite stories is told by a lady named uh, Danielle Strickland, and she was a a person that organized missions in Australia at one point in her life. And she was um, dealing with a really difficult problem that goes on in Australia. And she said that, you know, throughout the neighborhoods that they would have, like you and I, like you and I do, like down the road there'd be a 7-Eleven and then there'd be a Walmart. And then right next to it, there would be a business that would be illegal here in the United States. And there's kids in the room, so that business is a business that could happen in Las Vegas, but nowhere else in our country. Are y'all following along with me? All right. And that she, she said, you know, they're all over town, and there's nobody that's doing anything about them. And so um, she was, you know, kind of praying, trying to figure out what would be a good strategy. How do we raise money to stop this? How do we put an end to this kind of trafficking? What possibly could I do? 
uh, because she's kind of at her wit's end. You know, there's not a whole lot of guidebooks out there about what to do about that particular problem. And she said she was about, you know, at the end of giving up, and she got a call from somebody who was in their, their late 70s. And this is a sweet grandma, and she said, you know, right across from my house, there's one of these businesses. What do I do about it? And the, the lady said, I have no idea. Let's, let's get together and pray about it. And they talked about it, and they asked a simple question that Moses did. What do I have in my hands, and what does God want me to do about it? And the grandma looked at her, and she said, I have no idea. But I do have one thing that I think might work. And she's like, okay, tell me. Tell me about this grand plan. She said, I've got cupcakes. Oh, cupcakes. Can you just hear the powers and principalities of evil going, oh, no, cupcakes. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 hear me out. I'm going to go across the street. I'm going to bring them cupcakes. And they were on the way over there. And the the lady who was in charge of missions and ministry, she was talking to this lady. She said, okay, well, when we get there, you hand the cupcakes, and then I'll start my, my testimony. We'll do the witness thing, and we'll, we'll fix all of this. And the, the grandma looked at her, and she said, no, no, I'm the expert here. This is my neighbor. And so they showed up at the door, and they knocked on the door, and they said, hey, where you live across the street, we brought you cupcakes. And they slammed the door on her face. And they said they didn't give up. They came back the next week and the next week and the next week, and the next week. And then finally, they knocked on the door one day. They said, hey, we brought cupcakes. It's Wednesday. And they opened the door and she said, oh, thank God you're here. And she said, what? What? What do we do? They're like, the cupcakes finally worked. And they said, no, 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 come on in. There's a, there's a lady here, and, and all she can go on about is how she needs forgiveness. She needs healing. She needs to be made well. And they got into the room where this lady was, and she's just crying, and she's, she's upset, and she's saying, I just need somebody to forgive me. I need somebody to heal me. I need somebody to make me well. And she said, I know one guy that can do that. And she said, let me tell you about Jesus. Why? Because that lady said, what do I have in my hands? I've got cupcakes. What does God want me to do about it? Put an end to a horrible crime and an abuse of people. Brothers and sisters, it's as simple and as hard as that to ask yourself, well, what is it that God has given me and how can I make use of that? How can I use what God has granted me to change the world around me, starting with my neighbors and moving on from there? So, like I said, two of the hardest questions you'll ever ask, but folks, we desperately need you. We desperately need each and every one of you to do just that and to ask yourself, how is it that God would have me to use what I have to change the world around me? Folks, we are blessed as a church. We have so, so much. I mean, did you see the, the service this morning? We've got smoke machines. We've got lights. We've got video. We've got it all. I remember I was thinking back there just today. I was thinking, it reminded me of a time I was talking with somebody who does mission work, and I was saying, you know, um, he had come to preach at our church, and I was talking with him. I said, I'm so sorry. It looks like the projector on the right is out. We needed to replace the bulb. I'm so sorry you're going to have to go up there and preach up there in front of all those people, and you don't even have the right projector working. And he said, Rick, most days when I'm in Brazil, I'm grateful that we have a roof when we worship. And I look around at our church. We have so, so much. And what are we missing? We need more and more people to simply ask that question of, what do I have in my hand? And what is it that God wants me to do about it?
And if we will do that, then we will make God known in our world in a way that you will not believe. What is it that you have? What is it that God wants you to do about it? All right, I want to invite you just to do something really, really simple real quick. If you take both your hands, and that's you, yeah, you in front of me. If you take both your hands, and just go ahead and clench them like into fists, and then let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know what we have in our hands, uh, or at least we have a good idea of it. And we know that we live in a world that tells us to hold on tightly to it, to covet it, to, to keep it, to make sure that it never leaves our grip. And yet you are the same God that called Moses and Nehemiah and a whole host of other people and invited them to simply say, use what you have in your hands. Trust in me and I will show you what I can do. So Lord, we pray and ask that you'd help us this week and in the days to come to, to slowly open up our hands to offer up to you all that we have and all that we ever will be and that you will use that in a powerful and a mighty way to shape our world, to bring about your kingdom here on earth. It's in Jesus' name.